Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday afternoon, and uh, I'm going to do the Aftower now. I'm too much to go, uh, which was just sponsored by Michelle Mepstein and Michelle Mepstein in Scranton. <coughs> And uh, he said he wanted to get him before Shavuot. So I was wondering why, but he said, my father, let me see, Mr. William Rosenblum, an iconic figure in Chicago, Jewish community in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, kept Shavuot as the art site of his sisters who were killed by the Nazis, <clears throat> along with the rest of the city of Munkach. <clears throat> so now you know the answer. So what we mentioned the other day with Henry Rosenberg. For the Hungarian Jews, Shavuot was bad news. Shavuot of 1944. Because Hitler came in in March, Took them a little while to organize the trains and everything, the ghettos, <clears throat> and then Shavuos had got underway. So, I mean, you know, as they say, Hashem in Kondamam. Here he's, so in other words, a lot of Hungarian Jews, I've heard this before, keep Shavuos when you don't know. You know, let's face it, many people from the Holocaust, I mean, you don't know the day, get it? Someone's taken off on a train, you don't know what happened to them, when it happened to them. You just don't know. I myself, I think I did it last year or two years ago discovered only recently my father's first wife and, and daughter. We only got the records now when it happened. So this is for his sisters, some Munkachers. He adored them. Only he and his brother made it out. As his father died in a Hungarian labor camp. Yep. Yep. There's plenty of lot of Hungarian Jews who worked to death. There's no Zecher of them. So hopefully this Vartor will be their Zecher. Very nice. Okay. Very nice. I feel a little humbled. I'm going to, uh, <clears throat> there's a couple of Haftorahs coming up, so I can't do them all pick and choose. So I'm going to do one that no one ever talks about, because it's the hardest. <laughs> and that's the second day <clears throat> of Yantav here in Chutzlarz. I don't think they do it in Israel probably at all. You know, by us, obviously, one day is uh, Shavuos. The second day is already Miguel Shavuos plus, uh, plus what do you call it, Yisker and so forth. Imagine in Israel, you got the guns of business all in one day, and I'm sure they only see the first Torah, which is Yecheskel. Uh, and Yecheskel, uh, of course, talks about the Meissim Merkaba. <clears throat> in a certain way, our prophet today, on the second day, is also a little bit like that. A little bit. Here we're dealing with the prophet Chavakuk, which I think is the only time you ever mention him in the Haftorahs. <clears throat> Very obscure figure. It's a short book of three a thing in the Treyasar. There are a lot of those that nobody ever has any idea what the heck is going on. Stefania, you know, this one, that, and the other one. <laughs> and uh, we don't even exactly when he is. And everything is highly <clears throat> elusive. There are more or less three chapters, more or less. You know, that's how the Goyim set it up, but you know, there's more or less three parts. And he clearly was was living later, in other words, closer to the time of the Churm Bais Rishon. And uh, if you go, Rashi says right away at the very beginning from the Seder Olam that it, traditionally, anyway, he's supposed to live in the time of Menasha. Although there's a famous Chazal that many, uh, how should I put it, I'm sure many Bisiako girls who learn 
Malachim with Rashi, you'll remember that the, the Isha Shanamis, when she asked for a baby, the baby was, you know, and it died and it was revived. That's supposed to be Chavakuk. <clears throat> but that's a shtick. I mean, it's based on the idea that Elisha said, a year from now, at Chovek is pain. You'll be hugging a child to the childless woman. Chovek, Chovek is Chavakuk, you know, like that. But Pashim Shah, there is no Pashim Shah. <laughs> there is no Pashim Shah. If you know anything about the book Chavakuk, and I bet you don't, he's complaining about the costume says the Babylonians. So that means that it's the last of the, what is it? Uh, two, well, it's, it's one of the two great empires that caused all the destruction for the Jews in the recent period. <clears throat> At, uh, the, the Jews basically had to deal in the Bias recent period when they were the kingdom of Judah and kingdom of Israel with, uh, Three major superpowers. And then some local pictures running around, you know, these little countries like the Plishtim and Moab and Amma, you know, just troublemakers. Uh, Aram was a big problem for a while. So the three big empires was Egypt. Egypt was always one of them. It's an imperial power when it can be. And the other one is Ashur, and the third one was Babel. <clears throat> Ashur is Assyria, and they caused us a lot of trouble. They wiped out the north. The Malchus Yisrael, the, the, after we get the ten lost tribes. But eventually, the kingdom of Asher was wiped out by Bavel. Clearly, if our prophet is is worrying about Kazdim, and I mean, he's really worrying, because he's like Cassandra, he can see the Corbin coming, and he sees the Jews are not acting right, they're doing tshuva. And really, I, I mean, today I'm going to be a, a Tanakh advocate. If you're at all interested in this, take the trouble, uh, if you have nothing better to do on Shavuos night. To read the book of Chavakuk, it's uh, it's short, and he begins by saying, "I'm crying to you all the time, to answer me why is all this trouble happening, and you don't give me an answer." I'm crying over the violence that's coming. Why are you show me? Why are you making me a Cassandra? Why are you showing me all the bad stuff that's happening in the future? But he read Madanis and all causing me tzaras. Al King Tafuk Torah. Therefore, that makes people not want to learn Torah. Isn't that interesting? So you say Mishpat. Now you can translate that puzzle in a different way also. But I think that's the best way you translate it. Al King Tafuk Torah. Because people say like this Rasha Machter is a Tzadik. Al King Yetzim Mishpamukal. The wicked run the world. Rasha Machter is a Tzadik. The wicked are more powerful. They have the Kester of the Tzadik. And therefore, Mishpat is Mukal. So the rich and powerful, the rich and rich, and, and the powerful ones run the world. You don't do anything about it, O Lord. So why should, you know, anybody want to be from? And it's bad enough <coughs> when you have that problem in just like, what shall we say, private life. Because I'm living in Baltimore in America, and I see this guy and that guy who are underhanded in business and bad people and all that, and they're masliach. That itself shakes your faith. But Kalva Khamer, when it's a country, when you see evil nations prosper, that really shakes you up. That's what Kalva Kuk is all about. Okay, and uh, he's going crazy. In the second chapter out of three, Hashem kind of answers him, said the Jews deserve it, and so forth. But don't worry, you know, I will I will intervene at the last minute. You understand? I'll, I'll take it at the last minute. And then comes our Haftorah, which for some reason they stuck in the uh, second day of of um, Shavuos. Hold on one second. Yeah, I just pulled out a Gemara Megillah. 
you know, in the fourth parak of Lamed Aleph, Mishalom said that he looks these things up. So in Lamed Aleph, they go through um, the Haftarahs of the year, I guess you'd say. You know, what you, um, which which laning you do in the Shal Shagalim and Rosh Hashanah Kippur and so forth. And it mentions over there in the Megur Megillah, Batseris Shiva Shavuos and Maftirim B'Chavakuk. And uh, and then they work it out we do the second day. So why would you mafter Chavakuk? So Rashi says the famous simple answer, which is because there's a mention there, Shemadaber Bivatan Torah, Shenemra Eloa Miteman Yava Matan Torah. In other words, we'll see in a second that part of the third chapter, which is what we read for the Torah, said that God came from the south, which sounds a little bit like in uh, you know uh, in Hazinu, is that right? Where you know you talk about Hashem coming from uh, from far away to give to offer the Torah to different nations. I mean that's that's how Rashi takes the the allusion. Uh, here it is. I'm just flipping around. If you open to Hazinu, you may remember that uh, my memory is not good anymore. Um, here it is. Here it is. Bahancha Elyon Goyim uh Hafrida Bene Adam all the way back at the beginning of time. So uh I'm sorry, here it is. In the beginning let me drop this of of Zosabrocha. Right? For some reason it slipped in my in my mind. Zosabrocha. And what it says over there of course is Hashem Bisina above is Arak Mesir Lomo of him me harparan so I think most of you are familiar with that passing, and it's supposed to, what do you mean he came from those mountains? Harsina, you know, in other words, it's supposed to be um, a reference to Sukkot, I mean Shavuot, yeah, I'm really great today, but specifically, the part about where he offered, the, you know, all the Ganyan, the Torah, and they said no, right? You know, Hofimi Harparan, Vosim Rivas Kodesh, so this is the famous story of, um, of uh, Shavuos, and, and it's what we take pride in, because we said yes. Uh, by the way, there was a famous story, I'm sure I must have mentioned before, <coughs> also the second day of uh, Shavuos, it's actually the gay in Torah, and that's the story of Count Patotsky, who was supposed to have been burned uh, by the story, I mean, if the story is true, supposed to have been burned at the stake on the second day of Shavuos, and according to the story, I mean, there's all kinds of stories and legends in this time, you know, according to the story, it's only gone, you know, uh, let's put it this way, I think you know what I'm talking about, Avram ben Avram, as they call him, Garrett said it, uh, it was burned at the stake in Poland, in, in Vilna, and the story is that, uh, you know, the Vilna gun was tight with him, and he, and Potocki, according to the story, could have gotten out of it, because he came from rich and powerful family, and they wanted, this is how the story goes, <clears throat> And they wanted to get him off. And so they basically did like rich lawyers. You must have been crazy when you got rid of Judaism. No, it was a temporary insanity, right? You're just off your rocker. True? See, if he would say yes, they would say like this. Well, then he's, he shouldn't get punished. He was a temporary insanity. Like uh, Clarence Darrow did with those two boys that killed their cousin. You know what I'm saying? Temporary insanity. <clears throat> and in the Poland of that era, you could believe it because <clears throat> the rich and rich and powerful could get anything done in the courts. But he, being a, a stubborn guy, 
Meaning, he was a real Gerd Sadek, and he didn't have the sense to say, yeah, I didn't mean it. He said, no, I meant it. I'm willing to die on Kedesh Hashem, and so forth. And he did. That's what happened. So the story is that the Grah visited him somehow or other, I forget, because it was in Vilna, you know, and he said something like, where do you get this Oymetz uh, Ruach, you know, to stand like this, Kedesh Hashem, you know, to, to be burned alive? I mean, you know, it's unbelievable. And you don't have Anishma Sisral. Where, where does it come from? And the famous story is supposed to be that he answered the Vilna going like this. He said, you know that thing? Hashem uh, Misina above Azarch Misayir Lomo and all that. Or as we say in our Haftorah today, Eloah Mitaimon Yavo. You understand? It's the same idea in Chavakuk, right? At the very beginning of the Haftorah today. You know, Eloah Mitaimon Yavo Vakadosh Mihar Paran That God came from the south, meaning he came to our Sinai uh, from somewhere else. You, you understand what I'm saying? Eloami Teman Yavo means that Hashem didn't just I mean it's it's all metaphorical, but still that he Hashem came to Arsini from somewhere else. He didn't just show up. You know, the ordinary way of reading that is that Hashem poof, I'm here. And you know, I'm ready to give the Torah. You ready to take it? And where did he come from? God is created space. He didn't come from anywhere. You know, he 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 injected himself somehow or other into space because that's the idea of Maimon Arsini. In some mystical sense or another, but the pasuk says Hashem Zarach me say you know what is it again? Me goes out of my head. But Alo me Taman Yava came from Taman or Meharsina Sela, and he came from somewhere, and therefore God showed up so to speak on on Shabbos morning, huffing and puffing, and said, you know, I've been all around the world. I went to the Kukamanga, I went to the Fiji Islands, I went to Japan, I went everywhere. And they all said no. So, you know, what about you guys? <clears throat> so, the story is that the Garrett said he to the Vilna Gaon, you know, when he went to all these different people and they said no, is it a shot like this? Everybody said no? For example, they went to Edom and Edom said, what, Tertzach and we, we, we're into Ritzicha. Every Edomite? Everyone said that? You know? No. Rove said it. So if Rove of Adam said it, then Hashem said, forget it, because you go by Rove. When he went to Rove of the Arabs, and they said, I forget what was it, the, you know, uh, Lotinov or something like that, and or Lotigzel, whatever the, what the Lushan was over there. Not every Arab was bad, you know. Rove. But there were some that were good. <clears throat> and so to speak, when Hashem appeared to our nation, some of us said yes. <laughs> you get it? In other words, Hashem said, I want to offer you the Torah. Hello, me tame on Yavah, because my part himself. Kisa Shemayim Odo, Vatilo Samal Arts. That whole reference, as rabbinic literature takes it to the Maimon Hasinai. Some of us said, yes, we are the Gerd Sedeks. You understand? Our, no, that's our ancestor. I'm descended from that person. So, in other words, I have a Chalik in Torah. It's an unusual Chalik in Torah. By the way, it's a nice word for Shavuos. It's an unusual Chalik in Torah. The Chalik in Torah of the Gerd Sedek. It's not that he started brand new, which is also impressive, but that there's, you know, hereditarily in some fashion, they had a shaykhist to the Torah. That's a goof wise a Gerrit Because Gerrit means you do it lishma, totally lishma, for no other reason. Okay? So it's a good vart. Um, so that's what you find uh, in traditional uh, rabbinic thought, why they do Chavakuk on the second day of Shavuos. 
because it has some reverence, first of all, to Matan um, Torah. Um, it's a flattering reference in the sense that Hashem offered all the guys, and they said no. Um, so that makes us look better. That's number one. And number two, it fits in very nicely with Ruth, because she's a dear cynic, like, like, you know, we're talking about. And uh, and Ruth, you know, said yes. So according to this, Ruth would have been from the Moab when Hashem went around the time, and he said, what about it, Moab? Most of Moab said no, but some of Moab said yes. Some of Moab said yes. That's what that means. So, I mean, it's it's, it's just very instructive how we look at the Geretzetics among us. Okay, so I'm Madriga. Now, um, that's part of it. And that's really, I mean, makes total sense why they would use this Haftorah for a second day of Shavuos, because that's how the rabbis thought. You make a reference to whatever the day is about. <clears throat> but I think it's also deeper. And the Hainu, that the book of Habakkuk, as I said before, is really three uh, prophecies, A, B, and C. And uh, it's a little complex, no question about it. It's not for the faint-hearted. But uh, Habakkuk is basically three parts. In the first part, he's complaining about, I can see in the future the Babylonians are coming down the road are going to wipe us out. <clears throat> Which is interesting because if the Seder Olam is correct, <clears throat> he was living at the time of Ashur and time of Menashe. Menashe was the king of Judah who was physically captured by the Assyrians and actually tortured a little bit in Nineveh, whereupon he's supposed to have repented to some degree. And that means Asher was riding high. Nobody foresaw the rise of the Kazdim, but our hero did. But to tell you the tr- truth, I mean, that's the Seder Olam. Pashup Shot seems to me that Chavaku would be more like in the time of, let's say, for example, a contemporary of Yermiyahu. That's what I think. I mean, I, I, of course I could be wrong. And I saw once a German Bible scholar speaking to W. Three Hoffman, I mean, a guy who had a very interesting theory. And he said, Habakkuk might have been, he knew, knows the Jewish uh, tradition about um, Habakkuk being in the time of Menashe. And he knows the story in the Bible that Menashe was captured by the Assyrians. And he said, maybe Menashe and, and an entourage also, not just the, the one guy, Menashe. And maybe Habakkuk was among them and came to Nineveh, and he saw the coming of the Kazdim getting stronger, because around that time they started to get stronger. It's a theory. Be that as it may, in the third chapter, it's already like a Gogong Mogong type situation. Meaning that, yes, there's going to be, um, you know, uh, what shall I say, Horbin from the Kazdim, and they will destroy the base of Migdash, and they will call out, cause a lot of trouble. <clears throat> But God will intervene and will do so in a, in, in a shattering divine way and will cause all kinds of natural nature things to, if he means it literally, to uh, intervene as well. And that will all be part of World War Three, which will be the end of the Gogo Mogo situation. So it's a conflation. As I told you before, it's confusing. It's a conflation of World War Three with wars against the... Uh, the Kazdim. And that's why he says, There's going to be a tremendous light, a glow like the light of the day. Right? 
And then Hashem will send a plague out there to the enemy. You'll be hit, as we would say today, not with the monkey uh, uh, <laughs> corona, whatever the new thing is called, but, uh, you know, the gorilla one, meaning they'll be hit by some massive uh, illness. This fits in very well with the corona. I don't, I'm not saying it's identical with the corona because that's ridiculous. But you and I, let's put it this way. When you read the Tanakh, if you read the Tanakh, when you read anything in Torah literature, you're also, in my opinion, you should always do this at two levels. One is the classic level, and the other one is the contemporary level. The classic level is you look at the Mepharsha, and the contemporary level is maybe we can see something the Mepharsha didn't see. And so when he makes over here that the divine intervention is going to be characterized, among other things, by Lafon of Yelich Dever, right, and Areshef, that's, you know, these are two Megafas, um, okay? Uh, my goodness. Uh, it, we live now, you and I, in the last couple of years, with an intense awareness that somebody could release some kind of stupid pox, maybe the Chinese did or something like that, and knock the world down. Knock the world down. So we would say today, a biological agent. You see? Amen Vayimurus, where we have to go and God anyway was Amen Vayimurus, assigned all the nations there, their different uh, you know places, and therefore he's not going to let the bad guys take over Eretz Yisrael, even though they'll cause a lot of trouble over there. And he talks over here, area Tero Kashta, Shuas Matus the God is shooting a bow and arrow, which again is very vivid, because in other words, you know, bow and arrow means I'm I'm shooting, what's the right word? I'm single shooting, I'm targeting. So, to use contemporary language, you know, if the corona hit only one country, then you say, that's Hashem. Since it everybody, said, well, that's nature. And uh, then the Yachilu Harim, Zermaim Over, and the sun continue to be a huge thing of water, right? The mountains will shake, and uh, the earth will split into rivers. That sounds nuclear, okay? And Bizam you will tread the earth with great anger. Why? Why is all this stuff going to hit? And the answer is which is fascinating. You're going to come to save your Mashiach. So this is the basis of the Jewish idea that there'll be a Mashiach, and it'll be Masliach, and then comes Gogo Mogo, and it'll be a great, a great threat to the Mashiach. And it'll de- require divine intervention. And that's what we have in our Parsha today. You're going to have to be a Yeshua for your anointed one, for the Mashiach time. Okay? And you're going to trample a head on the wicked horse and bring the foundation onto the neck. So even the Messianic era ain't the end of troubles. And that is one the famous version, not the only one, not the only one, but it's one of the famous version of the Messianic uh, prophecies and foretelling. That it's not what you think, oh, Mashiach comes and everybody's happy. No, that's a very important chapter in the development. But the Mashiach will be attacked by the Gogomogo, uh, I'll say it again. Others learn it differently, but I'm saying a classic way is the Mashiach will be attacked by the Gogong Magog, and uh, in Daniel also at a, it says it'll be a time of trouble like never was before, until you know the angel Michael intervenes or Hashem intervenes or something like that. So we have references to over here. So it sounds like it sounds like, and I think this was the meaning that. Um, there'll be some cataclysmic battle on Shavuot's time. 
there are traditions that this will happen on Sukkot, and that's why we have those Zechariah prophecies. They read how to turn Sukkot. Not so many people know that there are also similar prophecies uh, that the main battle and cataclysm will happen on Shavuos. Uh, makes sense, because Shavuos is such an important day when when there was a transformative experience. And so over here also, you know, there'll be a transformative experience. Meaning, the final, final, final battle. So it'll be a terrible time, followed by uh, the the final end of trouble. Uh, this same Navi, who is uh, complaining in chapter 1, and trying to get an answer in chapter 2, therefore, is saying in the book, that I see the Holocaust coming, but I see post-Holocaust. Now, in classic Haftorah style, as I've told you now, recently again and again, it is the style of the Haftorah, which used to be read in public, originally in place of the Parsha Shavuah, for the masses, the Hamonam, uh, to skip the bad parts and the negative parts and the depressing parts, and instead concentrate on the good parts. Rove of the time. Rove of the time. Uh, that's who we are. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they, they don't read ever from Kabakuk the bad stuff. Uh, which is very, uh, how should I put it, very flowery. Even for some reason, I remember, the, don't ask me why, I remember the Pusik in Chavakuk where he says, Why do you, God, let the wicked prosper over the, over the righteous? Right? You're supposed to be Torah, you're supposed to be so pure. We wouldn't read that for Hav Torah. The Hamonam can't understand that. Get it? They don't get irony. They don't get metaphors. They don't get nothing. That's why my David Nikro will target You know, the mission has all those cases where you just skip it, baby. You know, and if they read it, you just don't translate it for the Hamonam. Because to understand sublime messages, you sometimes use very powerful language, which you're supposed to intuitive if you're educated, you're supposed to intuitively understand this is not supposed to be meant literally, or this is supposed to be meant as a, for the future. Or this is supposed to be taken in this way or that way, because you know Hashem is beyond any actual description. So you look for for, for to, to chapais what exactly is going on. But the regular guy in Shul, in, in especially in older times, they say, "I guess it's a, it's a God is blind and cannot see." Okay, I guess God's blind, you know, like that. So uh, this our, our haftor is a wonderful example. Now I tell you the truth, I have no idea why thousands of years ago when they set up the haftoras, and you, I just read you from the Gemara Megillah. They should pick something as obscure as this, because I can tell you right now, Chavakuk, in my opinion, is pretty doggone um, uh, obscure. But the, as Rashi says, the notion, Eloami Teman Yavo, that God came from Tema, I'm sure, a Darshan, because that's what they used to do, a Darshan, these things, the Maturgamim, would then say, as I just told you before, and this is an old teaching, when Hashem came to Arsina, my friends, he came from somewhere. What do you mean he came from somewhere? I thought he just popped up out of nowhere. Elamai went out to all the Goyim, then he would expound on that. That's not what the Haftorah is talking about, but it doesn't matter, you can sort of see it. And it is true also, um, for what it's worth, even though this is cheap, uh, that it says, Eria Terikashtecha Shuos Matas Omersela, that the bow was bared because of the oath regarding the tribes and sea was split into rivers. Shavuos Matas Omer, because of the oath. Our holiday is Shavuos. This is Shavuos. But I bet you they used to play in those kind of things 
when they did it. There's one more piece. And then I'll conclude because it's late. <laughs> it's also true that there is some resemblance, in my opinion, in my opinion, between the first day of Torah and the second day of Torah. In the first days of Torah, we have, of course, the thing from Yechezkel and God's chariot, what they call the Maisim Rekavah. We describe what it looks like when God's driving around with a chariot with blazing wheels and all the rest of it. I, I understand that. Um, and therefore, it's mystical. And that's to convey the idea that the, the, the Torah was given on Shavuos is not just the Nigla, but it's also the Nister. Uh, that's clear. I'm not saying it's identical. The, the people long ago said it's identical with the Nister, you know, on, um, you know, from the, you know, from the Zohar or something like that. There's no question. Long before anybody even heard the word Zohar, which is a term that was coined in the uh, 1200s by Moshe Leon, uh, but Maisim Merkava is old, old, old. Well, this is a little bit like the Maisim Merkava, Chabakuk. You see? Because he's talking about Hashem intervening and driving around, and it's very physical, right? It talks about God riding on the horses. Rechavtar Susecha, Markavoscha Yeshua. You have a chariot again. You have a horse again. You have a bow and arrow. You understand? And with this chariot and horse, He's able to split the earth and the rivers and cause the mountains to shake and the sun and the moon stand still and, you know, your spears cause the Jewish people, you know, to be able to see. All that language is in its own way and later on this, you crush the evildoer's house and you pierce the head of his troops with his own spear. All that kind of stuff. This is, um, how should I put it? Clearly, not to, I mean, of course, not to make it literally, Clearly references to mystical concepts, and and Lee Umberley, I don't know that uh, when they did Shavuos, I think they wanted to emphasize to the people there that Shavuos is not only about the Aseret Sadibris, because the plain Pashat meaning, the literal plain meaning, so uh, Shavuos is just the day that God pronounced the Ten Commandments. Uh, and he didn't even give them in, in tablets till 40 days later. And then that, you know, got broken right away, etc. Uh, and you can certainly learn it that way. I think I did it yesterday. But what you're talking about is an idea, no, the whole Torah was given on her Sinai. How do you see that? Hashem only pronounced the Ten Commandments. Ooh, ooh. If you understand what the Torah is, and how the letters formed from ideas, and this and that and the other, you know, they were there before the world created, you know, then you already understand that Hashem has bows and arrows, it can make the mountain shake, and he has a, a horse, and a chariot, and all the rest of it. Meaning you're dealing with a, shall I say, a, a lighter version, but still very heavy, of a Meissen Merkava. Libi Umberli, that's one of the reasons that they used a Chavakuk, as I said before, because it's really very obscure, and uh, we don't even know exactly when he lived precisely. So uh, I think it's very interesting. The reason I spend time is I don't think I've heard anybody ever talk about the Haftorah on Shabbos. Uh, but now you've heard one. Anyway, with that, I want to thank once again Michelle Epstein. And I guess the only thing to say is they wish that the Shabbos of those who who uh, perished in the Holocaust. Uh, Shabbat Ali. And, you know, if, 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 and I totally understand that Shabbos would be kept... As, as a yard site, I mean, uh, where other people take Hanukkah, 
we'll take with you, depending on where your your family is from. Uh, and with that, I wish you a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.